Chapter 19 of Catherine von Bora, Dr. Martin Luther's Wife by Armin Stein, translated by E. A. Enlich. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19, Risen from the Dead. The earth was already thickly covered with snow, yet the heavy white flakes were still falling. The frost flowers upon the windows hid the outside world from those within, and the footsteps in the streets sounded as though the ground were strewn with broken glass. Whoever could stayed within doors. Catherine was packing her husband's traveling trunk. He was about to undertake a journey, but it was not the thought of the distance and of her own loneliness that filled her eyes with tears and her heart with anxious forebodings. He was ill, and she dreaded the effects of this wintry journey upon his enfeebled body. She would have pleaded with him to remain at home, had not the elector so urgently desired his presence at Smallcald, where, before the assembled Protestant princes and representatives, he was desired to read the articles he had prepared for submission to the General Church Council to be held at Mantua. It was on the first day of February, 1537, when Luther, wrapped in warm furs and seated in the carriage sent him by the elector John Frederick, passed out of the Elster Gate. Not only Catherine, but many a citizen of Wittenberg looked anxiously after the traveler, secretly reproaching the elector for asking of the sick man a sacrifice which might plunge the whole Protestant world into sorrow and confusion. The days crept slowly by to Catherine. Many letters came to the house of the spiritual leader of Protestantism, yet there was none in the well-known, rugged handwriting, although Luther had promised to send her tidings as soon as possible, especially if any harm should befall him. Week after week glided by, her fears were slowly stilled, and she began to thank God for this new grace. On the 2nd of March, a messenger rode into the court bringing a letter from the doctor. Fear seized upon Catherine, and her trembling fingers were scarcely able to open the packet. Yes, there it was written, in terribly plain characters, that her forebodings had not deceived her. The letter was dated from Gotha, the 27th of February, and ran as follows. Grace and peace in Christ. You will have to hire other horses if you need them, dear Kate, for his grace will keep yours until he can return them to you by Master Philip. I, myself, leading small called yesterday, came hither in the elector's coach. The reason is this. I have been ill. Rest and sleep forsook me, and food and drink sickened me. I was as one dead, and had commended you and the little ones to my dear Lord, thinking I should never see you again. I was sorely grieved for you, yet I was prepared for the end. But so many prayers were made in my behalf that they have prevailed, and I feel as one newly born." Therefore, give thanks to God and tell Aunt Lena and the children to thank the Father in heaven, for without his mercy they had surely lost their earthly father. The good prince endeavored by all means to procure me relief, but in vain. Neither did your remedy against indigestion do me any good. It is God alone who has done and still does wonders for me through the intercession of godly persons. This I write you, thinking that his grace may have given orders to have you brought to meet me, that, in case I died upon the way, you might once more see me and speak with me. But there is no longer any need of it, and you can remain at home, God having helped me so abundantly that I hope soon to return to you in good health. Today we are at Gotha. I have written you four times and am surprised nothing has reached you. Martin Luther, Tuesday after Reminiscere, 1537. With tear-dimmed eyes, Catherine read the letter and then broke out in passionate lamentations that she should be so far from her beloved husband when he most needed her. She pictured to herself his sufferings, which her imagination painted in colors more somber than the reality. Full of her sorrow, she forgot to thank God for what he had done until Aunt Lena reminded her of her duty. 
He wrote me four letters, and I received none of them, she complained. Oh, how he must have longed for his wife and children. Yet none but strange faces were around him, and strange hands ministered to him. No doubt they were kind and faithful, but his friends are not the same as his wife. She felt like a captive, and would fain have taken to herself wings and hastened to him whom her soul loved. Aunt Lena's arguments were without effect, and indeed her uneasiness was but the instinct of an anxious heart. Through the magic tie of love, the souls of husband and wife were so linked together that each in a measure felt the other's pain. Catherine's torturing anxiety, notwithstanding the reassuring tone of the letter, was but the premonition of further trouble. A relapse again brought her husband to the brink of the grave. It seemed to her as though he were stretching out his hands and crying, Come hither and help me. She was not deceived. At Gotha, Luther again lay sick unto death. Beside him stood Bugenhagen and administered the body of our Lord. Gathering up the last remnants of strength, the sick man said to his friends, I know, thank God, that I did right in storming the papacy with the word of God, for it is a slanderer of God, of Christ and the gospel. Pray, my dear Philip, Jonas, Cruciger, and others to forgive me wherein I may have wronged them. Comfort my Kate and tell her to accept this sorrow with patience, for as much as she has had twelve years of happiness with me. She has served me faithfully. May God reward her. You will care for her and the children as far as you are able. My gracious prince, the elector, said to me at small called, Have no fear for your wife. She shall be to me as my wife and your children as my children. And I trust in his promise, for he is a truthful man. Greet the deacons of our church. Tell them to labor in God's name for the gospel, as the Holy Spirit prompts them. I will not prescribe to them the manner and measure of their labors. May the merciful God strengthen them and all others, that they abide by the pure doctrine, and thank him for their deliverance from the Antichrist. I have earnestly commended them to the Lord. He will preserve them. I am now ready to die if it is his will. I commit my soul into the hands of the Father and of my Lord Jesus Christ, whom I preached and confessed here upon the earth. Thus he spoke, waiting for death, and his voice, feeble as it was, yet reached to Wittenberg and was felt by the keen sense of love. Catherine's uneasiness became unbearable, her fears urging her to go to him. Perhaps she might be able to save his life. She hired a carriage and hurried to Altenburg, praying and pleading without ceasing. Spalatin met her with the glad news. The doctor is coming. He has announced his arrival. And he read to her the verses which he had received the day before. See Christ the Lord, my Spalatin, and him who seeks a sheltering inn. Tis Luther ill would rest with thee till he to health restored may be. Do so to Luther. God regard thee as unto him. God will reward thee. Read in his word. Tis written there. All of Christ's body members are. Be comforted, dear Mistress Luther, continued Spalatine. It fares better with him, for Melanchthon has added a few verses written in a merry vein. Catherine's suspense was soon relieved. Her husband arrived on the following day. Although the disorder was not wholly cured, yet under her gentle care, he soon regained his strength. She endeavored, with redoubled attention, to make up for what she had been unable to do before, and felt rejoiced when, with a silent pressure of the hand or a grateful look, the doctor spoke his thanks. When on Monday, Thursday, the bells called the citizens of Wittenberg to the town church, they once more beheld in the pulpit the well-beloved, familiar face, 
and again receive from his inspired lips the words of life. End of chapter 19.